0: Welcome to Something Like a Pop, and Broadway radio's pop culture podcast. My name is Matt Timonini and as always, I am joined by the brains of the operation Broadway stars and Broadway radio's Los Angeles Bureau Chief, Jennifer McHugh. Jen, happy Bobby Bonilla Day.
1: Did you seriously just hold that until we were recording so you could throw it at me?
0: (laughs) I mean, it's literally... One of the oh. greatest days in the history of the world.
1: This is going to be so lost on our audience, but just so you know, um, I'm a giant Mets fan, and a long time ago, our stupid ass owners made a stupid ass deal with Bobby Bonilla, who is retiring, and they have to pay him a million dollars for like the next sixty five years. And every on July first, I every July first, I'm flooded with messages about people. Talking about this stupid deal.
0: Why don't um, you like it? I think it's one of the most. I, I love this.
1: But the the upside is, is we have a billionaire owner now who doesn't care at all. Yeah. And he even tweeted today. Happy Bobby, Bobby Bonilla Day, my favorite day of the year. Like, he, it just doesn't matter anymore. So I EA didn't realize that,
0: references. I didn't realize that <laughs> Mets fans like were upset about this. Like, I thought it was yeah. just like a weird, quirky thing.
1: Uh, no, it's just like every July 1st, people just come at you like, oh, just a it. reminder of how stupid your organization is. I don't but think it that it not anymore.
0: I think that, well, I thought it was actually a brilliant that. move. Like, I think it's like, what a smart way to defer costs in the short term. It probably helped in the short term in the late 90s when it happened. But either way, Bobby Bonillae. Congratulations, making a okay. million dollars every year in perpetuity, basically.
1: And and Scherzer signed a similar deal. So he got his big check today, too.
0: So good for Scherzi. Uh Thanks. All right. So, Jen, we are here at more or less, the dead center of the calendar year of 2022. And we wanted to get together, especially over this holiday weekend, This will be coming out uh, either on July 4th or July 5th, and talk about the first half of our p- respective pop culture years. You and I made some New Year's resolutions in terms of pop culture that we're going to be getting into as we go on. But what I want to start with is just starting off our conversation with a bang and talking about the things that we enjoyed the most, that we appreciated the most, whatever our favorite things from the first six months of 2022. This can be anything pop culture related, TV, movies, podcasts, m- music, documentaries, whatever. It is all fair game. So Jen, why don't you go ahead and start us off with what your favorite thing so far in 2022 has been
1: i am going to start off with a stand-up special called rothaniel by gerard carmichael of course i assume you've watched it
0: i've not watched it i don't do a lot of uh, comedy specials but of course i've heard all about it and i used to dip in and out of the carmichael show back in the day on nbc
1: yeah, Gerard has been a stand up for many years and he is a black man and he has been living with this secret for a lot of his life that he is gay. And in this special, he, it's, it's unlike any comedy special I've ever seen where he literally walks in and he sits on a stool and it's basically just a conversation with himself. And in the middle of it, he reveals that he's gay. And what ensues is like a really intimate, almost Q and A with the audience. And he's really—it's almost like a therapy session as he comes out and talks about his super conservative parents and and how they still are having trouble accepting this. And there are some laughs—I'm not going to lie—but it also is very emotional. And it was just a really, really um pinnacle point of the year for me to see what stand-up comedy can do. And this man who has. Been hiding this all these years. All of a sudden, is now out on the scene, and he can finally be himself. But he has some serious issues he's struggling with, and he was completely vulnerable. And it is completely engaging, and you just find yourself mesmerized with with how open and honest and and genuine it is. So that is what stood out for me. I, I love comedy specials. I, I watch them as much as possible, but I've never seen anything like this. It's on HBO. It's called Rathaniel. I'm not going to say what the the title means because it's the ending. So I'm not going to say it.
0: Okay, cool. I love that. Yeah, that's definitely something that, uh, garnered a lot of attention and Gerard went on to host Saturday night live right on the heels of that. And, uh, he, he was great. I loved the Carmichael show with a, a great cast. Um, and I was disappointed that it didn't have a longer life. I think it had three seasons on NBC, but never really got the acclaim that it, it really should have. So that's a great pick. Mine is something that I think is not being discussed nearly enough. With We've had so much great television in the first half of 2022 and some that is still going on right now, which is normally a dead time of the year when it comes to TV. But my favorite piece of pop culture this year is a show that dropped just two weeks ago on uh, Amazon Prime Video. And it's not something that people have really been discussing a whole lot. It is a Canadian comedy series. It's a, a an eight-episode series, and it is called The Lake. It stars um, Jordan Gavaris, who played Felix on Orphan Black. You remember Felix, right? Yes.
1: Everyone remembers Felix. <laughs>
0: Yeah, of course. So it stars Jordan um, as a a, a gay man who is coming back to Canada after living in Australia for a long time, and he is taking his daughter that he conceived when he was in high school – uh, he's, like, reconnected with her. It was an open adoption, and he's reconnecting with her for the first time now that he's back in Australia, and he's taking her to the lake that he spent all of his summers on. Uh, unfortunately, he no longer has access to the house that his, that his family owned when he was there, only to find out that his wicked stepsister uh, now owns the house and is living there for the summer. His wicked stepsister is played by Julia Stiles. It is... One of those shows that is so smartly funny, but also is sardonic and a little subversive and finds a way to marry that humor and intelligence with just so much heart and loveliness that I couldn't help but fall in love with all of the performances. It is also a very queer show not only is jordan's character openly gay he has a um a romance during this season his step um nephew in it is i i don't think they ever say it specifically but is like 10 years old and i think you can fairly say at least gender non-conforming um and the the character is i mean it's, it's a very unique character, but it's great, so I don't want to spoil a whole lot, um, but it's really lovely, and and um, Jordan's character's daughter is played by Madison Shamoon. I don't know her from anything before, uh, but she's phenomenal, and the, and the relationship that that they have together um, is great, and it's a really super smart, really funny show. It's eight episodes, it's uh, you know kind of a half an hour um, single comedy setup, so they're 25 30 minutes each Um, so I got through it in like three days it's wonderful it's fun it's smart uh, it's sweet so I really 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 recommend the lake on prime video
1: yes you have recommended that to me and it is on my list Mm -hmm
0: yeah it's so good and I love Jordan from i was a I was definitely a member of of clone Club so anybody from uh Orphan black that has a project that looks halfway interesting I'm gonna be there for it. oh and that reminds me um Natalie lisinska um who was also on Orphan black she played Ainsley do you remember Ainsley she was the um best friend of one of the clones um Allison, the soccer mom clone. And no spoilers, but she did not have a very good ending on that show. Uh but she's in it as well. She plays one of the 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 mothers in that uh that that's, that's at the lake for the summer, and she's fantastic. So love love all the Orphan Black reunion stuff there.
1: Well, I don't remember Orphan Black that well.
0: You would remember, I think if I said maybe I'll bleep this out. She's the one who's I uh... I remember that. Yes, exactly. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, so. bleep that out. Anyway, yeah, I'll bleep that out because no spoilers. But uh, if you haven't watched *Orphan Black* too, like at least watch the first season. It has diminishing returns yeah. after about season three, but the first season is one of the best seasons of television I've ever seen, and it still is really, really good in seasons one, two, and three. And if nothing else, you at least have to get up through the dance party. If you don't get through the dance party, you're not living.
1: Absolutely. Right and it was yeah. also one of those rare occasions where the the Emmys actually rewarded someone for a performance like that.
0: Oh, oh so, and speaking of which, I one of the shows that I'm looking forward to most in the second half of this season is She-Hulk specifically because well one it's it's a Marvel show, so of course I'm looking forward to it, but Tatiana Maslany, the star of Orphan Black, getting to do a big budget Marvel TV show is amazing and i love that i've seen her off broadway i've seen her on broadway she is always amazing and uh, i'm glad that she is getting like this big big thing that hopefully makes her a ton of money and she can just continue to do all of the the cool fun stuff she wants to do as well because she does a lot of that too but like i'm just very happy for her success coming from that show which i don't think had a lot of expectations when it launched and turned into uh, it's honestly one of the best performances in the history of television as far as I'm concerned. All right, Jen. So let's move on from there. And and I don't know how we wanted to, to structure this conversation because we decided not to do this as a list. Like, oh, this is my favorite. This is my number two, whatever. But I want to talk about um, a couple themes here that I have noticed in my television. And then we can kind of spin off from that. I have watched a number of shows this year, not on purpose, but just kind of things that have come out. That have to do with spies. And I enjoy spy stuff. It's not necessarily a genre that I like gravitate to specifically. But there's been multiple shows this year that including one that is still airing that I've really, really liked that are about spies. Uh, The first one was Slow Horses on Apple TV Plus that is based on a spy novel that is the first of many spy novels in this series by mick heron it stars gary oldman jack loudon kristen scott thomas um you've also got olivia cook in there as well from bates motel fame um the season season one wrapped up with a Trailer for season two, so it was already filmed and they've already renewed it for seasons three and four. Um, And basically Apple TV Plus has said they will do this as long as Gary Oldman is willing to do this. So I loved that show. It was fun. It was smart. It was creative. Then we had something very different called the Ipcris File, which was the... um, Series adaptation of a Michael Caine film of the same name from the 60s, which it's set in the 60s. Very smart, um, very stylized, great performances in that one by, I believe, Jack Cole and Lucy Boynton. Um, that just wrapped up on, AM- on AMC+. And then the one that I'm currently into right now is The Old Man, which is on FX and Hulu, which um, is is also based on a book book. But it's so unique, this show, because as the title suggests, it follows an old man, Jeff Bridges, who is a former CIA agent who has effectively removed himself from that world and lived off the grid for decades. And he has been found by people who have plans for him and he has to go on the run. And one of the people who is on the lookout for him is John Lithgow. And so you have John Lithgow and Jeff Bridges in this show and they're not in the same scenes often because they're, you know, it's a chase thing. They don't they are in the same place. But when they do interact via phone, it is just like watching two masters. It is so good. It's such a great uh, character study and an opportunity for them to act. And then you throw in Amy Brenneman in the middle of it, who Jeff Bridges character kind of befriends while on the run. And it just reminds you that, like she continues to do incredible work and i mentioned this on today on broadway on on friday's episode but like her late career like most recent career choices have been so good that you kind of like oh right like she's one of the best actors of her generation and she doesn't get the praise for that but so i've been very into the spy stuff this this year jen slow horses the ipcris file and the old man have you watched any spy things um this year, have you, did you watch Slow Horses? Are you into old The Old Man?
1: Well, I, I wish you would phrase that differently, but no, I haven't <laughs> uh, watched any of the shows that you mentioned, but all of them are on my list, my ever-growing, un- unattainable list that I have of content to watch.
0: Yeah. Well, what about you? Have you noticed any themes of things that you've been gravitating towards in the first half of
1: 2022? I have. Um... I think I've I've been watching a lot of uh, shows with queer characters, but not because they are shows about queer characters. They are shows that happen to have queer characters in them. And I think that I like it because it's not a big deal anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. They're not being sold as queer shows. They're just like, here's a show. Oh, and there, there happens to be some queer people in it. And I find that a lot of them on my list, even, you know, Rothaniel that I just mentioned, um, I, I like that it's being normalized. And so I'm drawn to those types of shows. Um, the two that I will mention are could not be more different. But the first is Our Flag Means Death on HBO, uh, which, yeah. uh, you know, is the ever growing popularity of Taika Watiti and my deep love for Reese Darby, um, who are. Portraying Blackbeard and this this pirate who's known as the Gentleman Pirate named Steed Bonnet, and they might be taking a little liberty with the history, but they're certainly basing it on rumors and um, you know off of the lore of the pirates. But they do get involved in a queer relationship, and it brings up a really interesting point that. Piracy was a lot of men and they were at sea for years. Mm-hmm. And are we really to believe that there was never any queerness going on? So, um, I really just like that they finally were like, yeah, they were in a, a relationship. So who, who isn't? And there's a bunch of relationships on the ship and it's no big deal. It's just how it is. Regardless of all that, it's just really, really fun. I don't know if you're into the history of piracy. Um, or the lore, or they really explore a lot of themes through the lens of piracy. And it was a really enjoyable show um, on HBO.
0: Yeah, and a huge breakout hit that I don't think they anticipated being as big as it was. And it's already been renewed for season two uh, and definitely seems to have sparked a ton of excitement. So this is one that I think we'll probably see a lot of for at least a few years into the future.
1: Yeah. It was a slow burn. You know, the first few episodes are, there's a lot of table setting, but once Blackbeard shows up, it really, really takes off. And I had gone on the Warner brothers studio tour a year ago and we had, we saw some of the extras walking by and they were all dressed like pirates. And the tour guide said, Oh, that's for a new, Taika Waititi show about pirates that you'll hear about more later on, and so before it was even a thing, I, I, I got to see some of the the cast, which was cool. Yay, LA Life! That's awesome. The other yes. show, um, completely opposite, is on Netflix. is called First Kill, and it is a y- oh, vampire show. YA vampire angst in and, and all its glory. Um, it kind of mixes- you, you love
0: you love a YA show. Oh my god, that is very it's up your like, alley
1: my favorite thing. And this is filled with angst and drama. And it's kind of like Romeo and Juliet meets, uh, Buffy, the vampire slayer. And it's two girls who are both need to make their first kill. One is a vampire. One is a hunter and they fall madly in love. So it's their two families trying to figure out how to navigate this. And it sounds really simple, but like our flag means death, they deal with a lot of issues through, the lens of um, metaphors and lore and mythology and all these things are explored without them saying it right to your face. And so it's a little bit deeper than it seems. But when I first watched it, I was like, Oh, this is so cheesy. And by episode seven, I was like, I, I can't believe how, how good this show is. So it is Netflix. Nice. So I'm not counting on a second season. <laughs> so, um, uh-huh. yeah, you but never know. I really, really enjoyed it. It was very Jen.
0: I love that. That's awesome. Uh, Another theme that I think you have noticed as well, because I believe you've watched at least two, if not all three of these shows. One of the great things about all of these streaming services is that show creators and show runners aren't beholden to a specific 22 or 44 minute runtime, which means that they have the flexibility to actually have title sequences and opening credits, and there were three shows, all of which that I loved um, on their own merits, but three shows that were great on their own, but also had incredible opening sequences, and I'll do them in order of release. The, um, The first one is Peacemaker on HBO Max, a show that I didn't know, I mean, I like James Gunn, who is the creator of the show and directed and wrote uh, all of it, Um, and I... You know, it's a superhero thing, but I'm not it's a DC, so I wasn't necessarily immediately gonna love it. I saw Suicide Squad, which is it is it's a spin-off of, or the Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad was a different movie, same premise, some of the same characters. It's very confusing. Um, but I loved this show. It was smart, it was funny, it was full of heart. Danielle Brooks, Tony Nominee, Danielle Brooks coming back to Broadway this fall in the and piano lessons. Um is remarkable. John Cena, of all people, does like some legitimately wonderful acting in this show, which is kind of surprising. Um, Steve G who I have long known from uh, other James Gunn properties, but also the show at midnight, which I used to be a big fan of, uh, although the host is now somebody who's kind of persona non grata. Um, But I love this show, but the, the opening credits to this, are one of those things where when HBO Max puts up the, like, do you want to skip the credits button, I actually get a little bit offended. Um, if you have not watched this, just Google, go on YouTube, find the opening credits. And if you don't love those opening credits, I don't want to ever talk to you or be friends with you because it's wonderful. In a similar way, I guess I'm, these aren't necessarily in order because I'm going to skip because um, – On Apple TV Plus, Pachinko, which is this sprawling, beautiful, epic drama set in both Korea and Japan. Um, It's a serious, you know, kind of heavy drama. But the opening credits are just like these characters from two different timelines because it happens like it focuses on one character when she is younger and when she is older so you get these characters who never interact they're having like a dance party in a pachinko parlor pachinko is kind of like a uh, you know a gambling game that is popular in japan um and they're just dancing and it's wonderful and it's fun and it, it feels a little out of place other than to kind of say like this show is about connections and and finding yourself and finding the connections in your life. And I think that that is kind of shown with these dances, which I love. And it's fun. And it's a little bit of levity. Another thing that I will not skip. Um, and that show is beautiful. And coming back for season two, which is very exciting. Um, it's based on a book. So I wasn't sure how they would what they were going to do. Um, And then the third one is very different, very dark and ominous, but incredibly interestingly constructed. And that is the 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 opening credits for Severance, a show that I've talked about a lot on multiple Broadway radio podcasts, including by interviewing one of the show's stars, Trammell Tillman. Um, But that's a little bit more like I don't know if that's. Uh, If it's some sort of stop motion or computer animation, I can't tell what it is, but the the opening credits are very creepy, but also fit perfectly into the themes of the show. So I appreciate all of these series creators and designers putting together compelling opening credits to go along and, and match and enhance the tone of really wonderfully told stories and series.
1: Well, it doesn't match the tone, but I'm going to add one more to your list of credits you Please. cannot skip over. And that's Girls 5 Eva. Um, mm. I, I don't know if you watch that or not. but I
0: watched the first few episodes of season one, but haven't caught up.
1: Well, they have a similar, their, their titular song, Gonna Be Famous, 5 Eva, is the opening credits with a big dance number from them. And when the, when the thing comes up and says skip intro, I was like, how, I'm like, how dare you? I would never skip this, yeah. and so it's not—it's not what you're saying. Where it's like a completely different tone, and it, it's completely within the tone, but it is also unmissable.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk about these three shows. Um, did you watch all three? Peacemaker, Pachinko, and Severance.
1: I did two out of the three. You threatened me like pretty harshly and said, "You better get Which on this, Severance or, or we're Pachinko? done." Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because you were watching Peacemaker already, right?
1: I was. Yes. I And I, like yeah. you, was ridiculously surprised at how good it was. Yeah. Especially Let's, with national about... treasure, John Cena.
0: Yeah. <laughs> who turns out to be like a wonderful human being. I didn't I don't think I knew that, that he's like the person who has done more make a wish visits than literally anyone in the history of that organization. So
1: I only knew that because my, my nephew used to work for the WWE. And,
0: oh, that's right. Yeah.
1: And he always said, you know, John Cena is the greatest guy in the world. And I was like, whatever, you know, you're just in the world. And he said, you should Google him sometime. And it's kind of like the Guy Fietti thing where you're like,
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh,
1: this guy is actually amazing. So, yeah, he's he's an amazing person.
0: Yeah. L- let's talk about Severance here real quick, it, just because I want to use it as a jumping off point for another show. But uh, without spoilers. I thought the last two episodes, for different reasons of this first season, and it has been renewed for a second season, were some of the best television I've seen in a long time. But especially in terms of, like, being really good at developing and maintaining tension in ways that I don't know that I've seen since Lost. Like, when Lost was really good, it found a way to, like, keep you not only on the edge of your seat, but also a little bit nervous, um, especially again no spoilers but those last two episodes for reasons if you've seen it like you can't look away and even though the runtimes are not super long uh, i think the, the season finale was if I, let me see if i can find it here oh they don't have it here um but it's you know there wasn't long i it was a 44 minute episode or whatever it, it, but it felt like you were just like living and breathing with every single move that happened and um you know, Ben Stiller, who was the primary director for the ser- series, directed six of the nine episodes in the season, just I mean, just continues to prove that he is one of the most talented people in Hollywood, even though he's not in this show. So I love that series. Very excited for the season, too. But also I'm interested in your thoughts on how it was able to maintain that very, very hyper tense uh atmosphere for the entire run of one, you know, or even two consecutive episodes.
1: Well, I think he used an interesting device in the final episode where um it was almost in real time and without mm. giving anything away, there was almost like a ticking time bomb that we didn't know when it was going to go off. So, we along with the characters were on a time limit that we didn't know when it was going to end. And I felt that like, my shoulders were hunched and my fists were clenched. And up until the very last second, when it fades to black, and I was like, please don't be over. Please don't be over. And it went to the credits. And I was like, oh, my God.
0: Son of a... Yeah. Oh. Like, oh," But... Yeah. The endings of the eighth and ninth episodes of the seasons are like, no, don't, don't end it there. I want more. Uh, so, yeah. So, so good.
1: But also, I was really impressed at his directing... I think I had mentioned to you that like the way he set up a lot of the shots created a lot of the intrigue and the the emptiness and the misery and the nothingness that was this company and just the framing of the shots. And, and it was so beautiful and so unique that – and it looks exactly like where I grew up. I think it was filmed not too far from where I grew up.
0: Yeah. So up, Upstate New York, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, it wasn't far from where I spent my, my youth – and it was very haunting. Um, any place with, with woods in the winter is very haunting. And it just set the tone perfectly. And, yeah, it was, it was perfect. It was one of those shows where I, I wish that I still worked in an office because I know everyone would be talking about it the next day. So,
0: yeah. yeah. Then I want to use this kind of as a way to transition to another show that I am seven of the eight episodes through. And it is the only thing that has kept me as tense as that um, in a really long time. And this is a, another FX Hulu show. But unlike The Old Man, this dropped all of its first season on one day. Um, and I have since watched seven of those eight episodes. It was just released on the 23rd of June. So it is now the 1st of July. So in eight days, I've watched seven of the episodes. And this is called The Bear. And it is... Uh, A show that stars Jeremy Allen White, who, Jen, I think you and I both watched at least part of Shameless. He played the oldest son in the the family on Shameless, Lip. And for all intents and purposes, he is kind of playing Lip again. It is set on the south side of Chicago. He is playing a remarkably talented individual who is drawn back back or tied to this city and this place because of certain familial obligations that he feels it's a very dysfunctional family um, but he is trying to use his immense talents and intellect to get himself out and to make things better and to fix the wrongs in his family in shameless that was because he was brilliant i think he was an engineering student or something and this he is one of the most popular and acclaimed chefs in the country who comes back to run his family's Italian beef sandwich shop after a tragedy, um, you know, in his family. But as someone who worked a lot in restaurants and in food service, this show will give you a little PTSD um, because it is the, the one show that I've ever seen that actually nails the stress of working in a restaurant. Um, I was always a server. So this show takes place mostly in the kitchen. Um, So that's not the specific stress that I normally would have had. But it's so smart. It's so good. And I will say the episode that I just watched literally 20 minutes, 30 minutes before we started recording the seventh episode is one of the most tense episodes that I've ever seen, but also one of the most I mean, it's honestly one of the best films, episodes of television I've ever seen. Um, And I will just say, because I think if you don't pay attention to this, you might not recognize it because of how well it's done. I believe it's done in one shot. So it's a 20 minute episode. So shorter than normal. But it's I believe it's done in one shot on location, real location, not Birdman like fake tricks. It's a legit one-shot, twenty-minute episode, and it is remarkable. Um, it's a show that I regularly tear up in, uh, but it's something that I think is going to be talked about for a while. I think it's probably going to get some awards consideration, at least if maybe not Emmys, but um, it's going to get some because it's uh, it's a really, really special show, and the cast is phenomenal. Um, even though it's not a ton of people that i I I know, like Abby Elliott is in it, and Oliver Platt shows up. John Barenthal, Molly Ringwald, Joel McHale all have like small guest spots. But like the main cast, other than Jeremy Allen White and Abby Elliott and um, one of the characters, Iban uh, Mas is somebody who I've recognized but couldn't pinpoint. But it's just it's a really, really, really good show as long as you can deal with the stress of of food service and it doesn't trigger you from any personal experiences
1: it sounds very triggering after growing up in a restaurant and spending my youth in a kitchen
0: (laughs) yeah yeah you know well you've been there
1: but uh also you just really in a
0: family restaurant as well a family restaurant too yeah
1: but now i really want an italian beef sandwich
0: yeah it's really it's a really really good show um so would definitely recommend that if you can take it but uh all right let's talk about some comedies i don't know that i have any like other than the lake but i don't have any like traditional sitcoms on my episode but i or on my list but i do have a number of like enjoyable comedies that might not be laugh out loud joke a minute things but things that are funny and things that are more like classical greek definition of comedy where they just make you feel good Um, but you are somebody who has always done a lot more with comedies than I do. Um, so do you have any comedies on your list that you want to talk about?
1: I do, but I also know that I like the cringe and you do not.
0: That's okay. Tell me what (laughs) things you enjoyed.
1: I am going to recommend. I love that for you. Um, Mm -hmm. this is a show on Showtime starring Vanessa Bayer and Molly Shannon. Mm -hmm. And... It's, it's semi-autobiographical on, on Vanessa's part. Um, she stars as a girl who's obsessed with QVC and wants to be a QVC host to the point where she used to record it when she was younger. And she finally gets to shoot her shot and she blows her audition. So she plays the cancer card and uh, she was sick when she was younger. She is not anymore, but she tells the people she's auditioning for that she is sick and they give her the job out of sympathy. So,
0: it and, is, and just to be clear, the the autobiographical part—that's not how she got on Saturday Night Live. But she did have <laughs> cancer she, as a she child. She did have
1: cancer as a child, but and she was also obsessed with QVC. So she even said when she went to QVC to research this show, it felt like she was meeting celebrities because these are the people she grew up with. And so the show is really—it's—it's it's a little dark, but it also plays with, um, you know, kind of values, you know, like. Can I use this to my advantage? Why shouldn't I? Like, people use things all the time to get ahead. And it's also like, are you seriously trying to get a job by playing on people's empathy like that? Like, it just plays with it and it makes you, you can see both sides of it for sure. And Vanessa Bayer is one of the most adorable people in the world. And she is a professional when it comes to cringe. Like, cringe comedy uh-huh. is her brand. And pairing her up with Molly wow. Shannon is just is is just genius. I just finished Molly Shannon's autobiography, and um, the two of them together are just brilliant. But it's a really quirky comedy on Showtime, and it's it's different. It's just new and different, and I really enjoy it.
0: Awesome, and uh, it, that is not something that I will probably watch. But um, I love that. Vanessa Bear is finally kind of getting some attention because she's not really been somebody who has broken out from Saturday Night Live and had this big career. Similarly, like I saw Rachel Dratch in POTUS on Broadway, and it's like, OK, she just got a Tony nomination. And while they've both been working, they haven't become the Tina Fey's or the Amy Polars or, you know, any or, or Maya Rudolph's, you know, because those are you know similar, if not overlapping, you know, Saturday Night Live cast generations. Um, but very happy for for both of those two. Um, Molly Shannon's been, you know, working, you know, been a little bit more in the spotlight over the years, but very good for, for, for all of them. Do you have any other, uh, comedies you want to mention?
1: Yeah, that was a great segue. Cause I'm going to mention Maya Rudolph's new comedy, um, loot, <laughs> loot on Apple plus it just started. There's about four episodes up and it is a workplace comedy and it's really simple. It's based pretty much the Bezos's, You know, and it's – she would play – Melinda
0: Gates, too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: She would play the billionaire's ex-wife, and she has just so much money, and now she's trying to figure out who she is. So she finds out she owns this foundation, and she decides to throw herself into that. And the people who work there are trying to teach her to be a good person, but she only knows how to be a good person by throwing money at things. And they they find that both of those things are valuable. And um, it's a really, really great cast, and they're still – it feels like they're still finding their footing – But I hope that they're given time to gel because they're going to be really great. And there's uh, episode three. She does a guest star role on the YouTube show Hot Ones. And it is one of the funniest Uh, uh, scenes I have ever seen. We had to stop it because neither one of us.
0: In character. You're talking about in character. Okay.
1: As this billionaire. Explain to
0: people who, yeah, explain to people what Hot Ones is if they don't know.
1: Hot Ones is a big hit on YouTube and it's, Basically this guy's Sean, and he has a collection of hot sauces ranging from pretty mild to extremely hot and he has wings covered in all these sauces and he's interviewing a celebrity and as they're interviewing, they eat a wing and there have been a variety of reactions over the years of people losing their minds people it's just really entertaining my rudolph if you've,
0: and- if you've ever seen the if you've ever seen the Paul Rudd look at us clip that's what that's from. The, look at the us viral, yeah. hey yeah. yeah the viral uh, yeah clip that's that's what that's from so sorry in, go ahead i didn't mean to interrupt in
1: loot maya rudolph as this character decides to endear herself to the youth by going on this show with no warning to her team or her pr reps or anything she just does it because she thinks it'll be fun oh my god oh i think i've seen this scene like four times because she uh-huh. I heard Mike Schur refer to her once as a comedy assassin and she just destroys. And I kudos to Sean, the host, because I don't know how he kept a straight face or how many times they had to do it, but it is one of the funniest comedic scenes I have seen in years. And with her at the helm, I feel like this show can be great. I just, I hope that they're given time to, to really gel.
0: And I think with Apple TV plus they will be Apple has been very, open about like they just want good stuff they're not super worried at this point about ratings and viewers with shows they just want to make good things and people will come it's also apple so literally the however many billions of dollars they spent on content is a drop in the bucket at that company and i'm not being facetious uh, you know that's literally kind of what they've said they want to build with quality content that's why they're not Following Netflix's path of like just releasing a bunch of shit and like hoping something sticks. They are doing a specific number of things, um, a small number of things and just trying to do them really well. So I I think you will probably see this continue. But you're right. That cast is amazing. In addition to Maya Rudolph, uh, Michaela J. Rodriguez, Joel Kim Booster, Ron Funches, who I've loved for so many years, also a regular on At Midnight that I mentioned. Nate Faxon is great. And Adam Scott, who is a star of Severance, plays... Uh, Maya Rudolph's billionaire ex-husband, and in one of the early episodes, I haven't watched yet, but I know in one of the early episodes, um, one of the guest stars from the first season of Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, Stephanie Styles, shows up as well. Did you recognize her and remember her?
1: Uh, yes. Yes. I don't want to give away the scene, but yes, I know who you're talking about.
0: Okay. yeah, She's yes. in, obviously, she's a Broadway person and and uh, was in Kiss Me, Kate on Broadway and played Catherine in the National Tour of Newsies, but was also the uh the barista that um Skylar Aston's character goes on a couple dates with in the first season of Zoe's so also i nice think it's Nat too.
1: Faxon not Nate Faxon
0: Oh it is Nat i don't know i just read said that wrong because i'm looking at it and my brain automatically And he's
1: it. his i mean with that group of comedy people he is absolutely adorable and one thing i will give it is that they are all very developed individual unique personalities um already So And there's an adorable friendship developing between Ron Funches and Joel Kim Booster that I'm really excited to see where that goes.
0: Love that. Um, So this is definitely on my list as well. Um, Any other comedies before I go into mine, some of which I know that you have watched as well? The
1: only other one I'm watching right now is Rutherford Falls on Peacock.
0: Oh, I need to do that one too. I need to.
1: I really, really enjoy Ed Helms, but also there's a really large contingent of Native American representation on it. And they too are cleverly teaching the audience lessons without preaching. And, um.
0: Of course. It's a noticed- Mike Sure show. That's what Mike Sure yeah, does. Yeah. It,
1: we, we noticed it the other night. I was like, Oh, that was clever. And the, the, the native actors on there are so good. There's one guy. I think his name is Michael Gray And he's, I know you'll recognize him. He's been in everything, but he is so good and so engaging. So. I highly recommend that. I, I hope they get more seasons because I think that reser- that, uh, representation is desperately needed. I was going to say reservation dogs is another one. Yeah, um, also one, but, yeah. but still that's only, that's only two. Like we need more
0: of that well, representation. I'll, t- I'll talk, I'll talk about a third one here, uh, later on. But, um, for my comedies, th- the first one is the after party, which I've talked about on Broadway radio before. And you and I might've even talked about it since it was earlier in the year. um, Great. So funny. A smart mix of like knives out and only murders in the building. Phenomenal cast led by Tiffany Haddish. Um, she will be back for season two, as will Sam Richardson and Joey Chow, Zoe Chow. Um, but really, everybody in that cast was just dynamite. Um So that one's great. One of the people coming to season two is Poppy Liu, uh, who is one of the stars or one of the guest stars on another show that I want to mention. Hacks had its second season. And it was like if you thought the first season was brilliant, like the second season is just like, how does it get better? Uh, Because the second season of that show, also one that is executive produced by Mike Shore, is is just phenomenal uh, and absolutely brilliant show and it is a little bit on the cringy side which makes me kind of surprised that i love it as much as i do but the acting and the writing is so good um that i couldn't not mention it and there's the qvc connection too with gene smart's character deborah vance being essentially joan rivers uh and having uh a number of product lines on some shopping channel but um, i love that love her love uh, hannah einbinder love carl clemens hopkins who just finished up a run in an off-Broadway show. Uh, Megan Statler is great on there. Uh, Shooter McGavin, Christopher McDonald is phenomenal. And it also is worth pointing out that Paul W. Downs, who plays the agent for both Gene Smart's character and Hannah Einbender's character, he is one of the three co-creators and writers of the show, um, along with uh, two other people, including his wife, um is is one of them too so um love hacks love the after party but the one that i want to talk about the most is one that comedy is it, it's, it's a loose definition of calling this a comedy it's a it's executive produced by the duplass brothers so if like you know their stuff it, it's in that realm of comedy but you kind of mentioned you're kind of uh, uh you know falling into whether on purpose or coincidental shows that feature queer characters and it's not really a big deal um that is one and this show somebody somewhere which is an hbo hbo max show is like that as well and this was also probably in my top three or four of things that I've seen so far this year. It stars, um, New York cabaret icon, Bridget Everett, uh, as a woman in her forties living in Kansas. She is originally from Manhattan, Kansas, and that's where it's set. And she's trying to figure out what she wants to do with her life. And she reconnects with not even really a high school friend, just somebody that she was vaguely aware of in high school played by the phenomenal Jeff, uh, Jeff Hiller. Um, and he kind of introduces her to this group, and many of them are queer, um, some of them are gay, some of them are, are non-binary, some of them are are drag kings, um, including the equally legendary Murray Hill, who is one of the great comedian and drag king entertainers. Um, but it was just so sweet, and it, you know how I love the sentimentality in shows and the connections between family and, and chosen family. Uh, and this was great. And it, it is coming back for a season two. Unfortunately, um, the actor who plays Bridget Everett's father uh, passed away after the first season aired. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they deal with the loss of him, uh, especially in a show that features a lot of loss as well. But love somebody somewhere. I didn't get to it while it was airing. So I got to it a little bit late. But it's really, really a phenomenal show. And again, only seven episodes, all about 25, 30 minutes long, and uh, a really, really lovely watch. Uh, if you're into something that's not like a laugh-a-minute comedy, but also something that has a little bit of depth and nuance and drama, um, character drama, not like plot drama, um, but this is definitely one that that I would recommend checking out. Again, on the list. <laughs> You'll love it. It's great. It's really, really good. Um, all right, I have a, my next section of things is like supernaturally type things, um, but obviously the one thing that you have to talk about with supernatural shows uh, in the first half of the year is Stranger Things. That is not something that I watch, but I know you watch it. How have you felt about? Season 4, and we're talking on the first, so I don't know if you've watched any of Season 4, Volume 2, but at least for what you've seen up to this point, how has Stranger Things been in your estimation?
1: I think this is the best season yet. Oh, wow. Um, I wasn't expecting it. I think, you know, as the series goes on, sometimes the expectations dwindle a little. I've enjoyed it throughout, but I wasn't expecting this season to be this good. Episode 4... Uh, Is called Dear Billy, and it was it, it falls into the realm of what we were talking about earlier as one of those perfect episodes of television. Um, it it interfuses the music of Kate Bush, running up that hill, which has since become one of the biggest chart choppers in her career. And the way it fuses that music with the scene and the emotions and what's going on, I, I don't think we moved for ten minutes at the end of the episode. It was so absolutely beautiful and riveting. Um, it is July 1st. The episodes came out today. The last two episodes that are airing, I think, are close to two hours each. So, no, I have not watched them yeah. yet. The but by the time this drops, the, I probably will have.
0: Yeah, the penultimate episode, I believe, is like an hour and 45. The final episode, yeah. I believe, is two and a half hours. So, yeah, th- I was going to ask because I know the first – volume of episodes they're longer they're not that long but they are longer than a traditional episode that you think that the obviously you think it warranted those episode lengths
1: it never felt to me like okay we could have cut 10 minutes out of that every time the credits came up we were like oh man that's it like it moved and there is so much information and so much lore that you have to understand and every bit of it pays off There, there isn't one thing introduced where you're like, well, I guess I didn't need to know that it, it, I don't want to oversell it, but I'm just so impressed with, with this season and, um, everybody, you're just so invested in everyone. And I know my heart's about to be broken because the Duffer brothers are vicious and they just take people away from you. And so I'm, I'm ready for this weekend to watch the last two episodes, but I'm also ready for my heart to be broken. But I don't know if you're ever going to watch it, but seriously, season, season four, episode four, Dear Billy was, oh my God, it was just a beautiful piece of television.
0: Yeah, I watched the first season and liked it. It's just one of those things where by the time season two came around, I got behind and hadn't got back. And it's hard for me to catch up on things. But it's not that I disliked it. I liked season one. Um, so, you know, very well could catch up at some point. Um, but, yeah. Any other Supernaturally things on your list uh, that you wanted to, to shout out?
1: I mean, I already talked about First Kill. Um I guess yeah, that's true. I, I guess I could mention Ms. Marvel. It's not really supernatural, mm-hmm. but it's super powered. Yeah. Uh, it's one of yeah. my favorite Marvel TV shows so far. Um, I just wrote an article about it this 100%. morning, and I had to research the partition, and I learned. I just learned a lot, you know, about things we weren't taught in school, which always angers me. Um, uh-huh. And so, I, I'm really enjoying Ms. Marvel, but that's that's all I got.
0: Yeah. Me too. There's still two episodes left, so I don't want to say this until we get to the end, because Marvel has a way of not sticking the landing on these shows, but it certainly is neck and neck with WandaVision in terms of my favorite uh, MCU Disney Plus TV shows. So um, will it ultimately be better? Because WandaVision was great until the last episode-ish, you know, maybe a little bit more, but like, that also was hampered by COVID. It was supposed to actually have two more episodes and they had to kind of shrink things and put it together and, you know, reconfigure on the fly. So they didn't really do a great job on the ending. But I love it. I love the Miss Marvel comics. Um, and I think what Amon Valani has done playing this beloved character who is so full of excitement and energy, I think she is absolutely an amazing find and it just goes to show how good Kevin Feige and the MCU staff, the Marvel staff is at casting very, very rarely had they ever missed in terms of casting. And that includes really just finding people, whether they're known or not, who don't, you know, that aren't stars. And even when they are stars with the Robert Downey Jr. Like he wasn't necessarily their first choice, but he was the right one. And that's how they, who they got, um, so yeah, highly recommend that as well. And also recommend getting at least the first, um, the first run of Miss Marvel and checking those out the, in the comics. Cause, uh, the first, at least the first trade paperback or two is just phenomenal. And a lot of it overlaps with this. It's not the same, her origin, her powers are changed uh, a little bit to more get in line with MCU stuff, but, uh, really, really worth the read as well. The supernatural shows that I want to talk about real quick, one that I've mentioned on even today on Broadway because it's written by a playwright, uh, is Outer Range. Another um, Prime Video show starring Josh Brolin and Imogen Poots. Uh, it is is created and written by Brian Watkins, who currently has a play running at uh, Lincoln Center Theater. It's basically like if. The Twilight Zone met Yellowstone. Josh Brolin's character plays a rancher in Montana who all of a sudden finds this gigantic, like, sinkhole in his pasture. Except it's not a sinkhole. It is literally, like, a void of time. So, like, the way they, without spoiling too much, they actually say, like, this hole is made of time. Uh, and it that doesn't make any sense, but it makes a little bit more sense when you see it. But it's fascinating. it it, it delves into what it, you know, how familial decisions and and generational trauma impact everything that comes be, you know before and then or comes after and then also be and before um and it's really fascinating there's nothing in here that seems like oh yeah i knew that was coming um even when they like leave breadcrumbs you only see them in retrospect because they're so well done and the cast is phenomenal in addition to poots and brolin you've got uh lily taylor who's always great um Noah Reed is phenomenal currently on Broadway in the minutes. Um, Then you've got Will Patton and Lewis Pullman. You might recognize those last names. Lewis Pullman is the son of Bill Pullman, currently starring in um, Top Gun Maverick. Um, You got Will Patton, who is was the dad slash football coach and remember the Titans as well. Um, just really, really great stuff. And then you have Tony Nam- or winner now, uh, Deidre O'Connell in it as well. So it's just a really, really, really good show that I've recommended. It's coming back for a second season and lots of mysteries, lots of suspense, lots of drama, lots of intrigue. So I love that one. Um, A show on Apple TV Plus that I was less enthusiastic about but enjoyed nonetheless is called Shining Girls. It is based on a book of the same name, but departs a little bit from the novel. It starred uh, Elizabeth Moss, um, uh, Wagner Mora, and Jamie Bell, erstwhile Billy Elliot himself. Um, Also... Philippa Sue is in this and Amy Brenneman because Amy Brenneman is in all good things right now. It has to do with a woman played by Elizabeth Moss um, named Kirby, who is an archivist at the Chicago Sun-Times. And years ago, she was brutally attacked and left for dead, but her assailant was never found. And there are some very strange circumstances um, around her attack. And she starts researching it and investigating because the cops can't do anything. And the more she finds, the more things start to piece together. But, and this is not too much of a spoiler because they telegraph this in the, in the trailer and a lot of the promotional materials. There is a time, not time travel, but a time bending aspect to this as well, which is where the supernatural thing comes in. Um, and I guess time travel as well, to be quite honest with you. But um, It's good. It's fascinating. I don't know that I loved it all the time. Um, I think it it got hung up on some details that it could have moved along a little bit more quickly. But it's it's a worth It's worth a watch. It's eight episodes. You can get through it fairly quickly. And even though Elizabeth Moss is super problematic, she's incredibly talented. So it's something that's that's definitely worth seeing did you, you you didn't watch either of those shows did you jen
1: i did not no i enjoyed your um description of them though especially the problematic part
0: <laughs> yeah exactly you yeah yeah
1: but i watched I the handmaid's tale top... so how can i how can i judge you
0: yeah exactly uh and i saw top gun maverick because my brother lo- raved about it and said we've got to go we've got to go i went and i was like it was fine it was okay it was not nearly as good as a jurassic world dominion but That's another discussion. Um, One that I think you might have watched was season two of Russian Doll. Did you watch that? Nope. Nope. Okay. Well, um, (laughs) season two of Russian Doll. If you watch season one of Russian Doll, you will love season two of Russian Doll. It's not as sharp as the first season as it kind of tries to dive in a little bit more into some things. It is an episode shorter than season one, but I... Feels a little padded and things it went off on tangents that I didn't really care about, to be honest with you. Um, but there is definitely some really great stuff. And it's just a it's just a trip to watch Natasha Leone work because she is. Amazing, she I mean, she's great, um, so recommend that one. And then the last one, which only vaguely dips into supernaturally stuff but um it is called dark winds it is currently airing on amc and amc plus this is another one of the shows that features a lot of indigenous people um it is based on a long-running um series of crime novels the uh, Lee horn and Shay uh novel series by uh, i'm sorry by tony hillerman um and it, it focuses on two Navajo police officers who are investigating a double murder uh, on reservation property and kind of all of the connections that it has to other things that have happened in and around the reservation. Um, it's really good. Um, I, I I need to watch this week's episode still. But the performances are great. There's a little bit of, of Supernaturally stuff having to do with, um, you know, traditional native, you know, um, ceremonies and beliefs and all that stuff and it's really fascinating um but it's a great show so far i'm really looking forward to it it's also been um renewed for a second season noah emmerich from uh the americans is in it as well as is rain wilson um joe leaphorn is played by zon mclarnon who if you've seen, I believe he's also in reservation dogs. Um, he's fantastic. Uh, Jim Chi is played by Keoa Gordon. Also really, really good. And the third officer in this kind of trio of police is played by Jessica Matten, Um, and they're all just fantastic. So I, uh, uh, really really recommend this one and like you said it's great to have this representation this is executive produced by George R R Martin and Robert Redford so some big guns behind the scenes in this one uh as well so uh, re- uh dark winds on AMC and AMC plus currently airing its first season
1: the only other one i'm going to mention it has nothing to do with S- supernatural just the uh corruption it's fine. In-, in hollywood Um, I really enjoyed the offer on Paramount Plus and it is the story behind the making of the Godfather. Um, it got really bad reviews and I'm not really sure why. I I think they're a little unfair. Um, Giovanni Ribisi is a little over the top, but when isn't he? I mean, when you hire him, that's what you get, but he's also playing Joe Colombo who was very over the top. (laughs) So if you're interested in the history of Hollywood, which I love, and I don't know if it's because I live in Hollywood or... It's just really a fascinating to see how this or any movie ever gets made. Um, I really enjoyed the story, and uh, Miles Teller was really, really engaging. And I just love Juno Temple so much, I just want her to be in everything. Um, mm-hmm. But is one of my favorite movies, and it was just fascinating to learn at least this guy's version of how it got made. So, you know, if you happen to yeah. subscribe to that, I, I think it's a good
0: watch. Yeah, I subscribed to everything. Um, last thing I'll mention, and then we'll get into how we're going to wrap up the episode, is a thriller series from Australia that is available on HBO Max. It is called The Tourist. It stars Jamie Dornan, who you know is probably really the only name that I think people uh, will be familiar with in this show. Um, he, of course, uh, well, most recently was in uh, Belfast, but also... Um, was in the, the um, Barb and Star. What's the yeah? Oh, he's in Bar- Barb, Barb and Star, Star. of course. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of the uh, the Fifty Shades series. That's what I, was, I couldn't think of, Fifty Shades of Grey, um, where he played a- as uh, you shouldn't. <laughs> no, I couldn't remember the name of it, but um, but he's great. It's it's basically this he is uh, we oh, it opens on him being in a car accident and he has amnesia. He's an Irish man in Australia. Um, and he only has a few clues as to who he is. Um, and the series kind of like follows him trying to figure out who he is while danger continues to swirl around him. Um, it's really, really good. It is a, a quick. Six-episode watch. I think I watched it all in one day. Uh, really, really good. Uh, a standout performance by Danielle McDonald, who plays the probationary constable, who is kind of the one who takes on his case. She's phenomenal. Um, like I said, I don't know anybody else in this series, but um, she was really good, so I hope to see more of her. Uh, but uh, The Tourist on HBO Max is really, really good as well. All right, Jen, so let's wrap up. Uh, At the end of 2021, we and maybe at the beginning of 2022, we gave ourselves and each other some pop culture resolutions. So we'll end with the ones we gave each other because you have done much better on that than the one you gave me. Um, But what were your personal pop culture resolutions for 2022?
1: Well, I will tell you that I have not done that well. Um, I did one of them was to go to the center theater group and I, I did get to see Hadestown. So that was something, but awesome. that's the only thing I've seen. Um, I was going to dive into the PBS archive, which I haven't done nearly enough. I've really gotten into um, the finding your roots series. Um, he, he does mm-hmm. a lot of Broadway people. So yeah, that's really enjoyable. And I watched the, I Kennedy- feel like Billy
0: Porter's on it. Like, <laughs> yeah now. he is. like he i did. think this week maybe yeah.
1: yeah and i really love that series um because i i i'm obsessed with the ancestry and i think everybody should know where they came from so um i've done that but that's about it i uh the other one i had was to play more piano which i haven't done the other one i had was uh to discover some more old movie musicals which i haven't done and I also encourage people to go to smaller theaters, which I absolutely still do. But I haven't done it, <laughs> so it hasn't been well, a great. You've gone to it hasn't some. been great.
0: You've gone to some. I a mean, couple. you saw.
1: I saw uh, Twilight. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I can do better. Is I what mean, I'm saying. You,
0: you you really have only started to venture outside of the house, though. So, like, I give you a little bit of a pass because you have been still holding up because of COVID. So you get a little bit of a pass there. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Um, mine were I wanted to I had just gotten so behind on television. I wanted to give myself the challenge of like always be watching a show that was in the public consciousness and like in real time. Like so watch it either the day it comes out or within a couple days. And I didn't do this because like I felt a need to like I felt like I had to be part of the conversation, but I wanted to like be current with things because I know how if I get if I don't watch it immediately, chances are it's very hard for me to catch up. So I have done that. I've done one show in succession of uh, at least one show. So I started with The Book of Boba Fett, meh, but went into Peacemaker and then The After Party and then Severance, then Russian Doll, uh, then Slow Horses and Moon Knight Outer Range, Hack, Season 2, Shining Girls, Ipcris Files, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and now in with Miss Marvel, Old Man, and Dark Winds. There are other shows that I've watched, just not like as they've come out regularly. Um, so I've done a good job with that. The next one is I want to see 52 plays not in New York by the end of the year. Uh, some of these are things I've seen multiple times. I'm counting both. Like when a Broadway tour comes to town, I have my press tickets. So I'll often go on Tuesday night. And then with my family's season subscriptions on Sunday, I'm counting both because I'm going. Uh, I am currently at 29. So I have gotten more than halfway through that. Um, and that is, of course, just things not in New York. The vast majority of them have been in Florida. In fact, all of them other than one, have been in Florida. Um, So I have uh, seen 29 shows, so I'm more than halfway there, so very happy about that. The next one I had is I wanted to watch um, some overseas crime dramas, um, Killing Eve, Broadchurch, Happy Valley, Peaky Blinders, and Luther. I've not done any of that, Um, literally none. And then I got these vintage movie calendars that have like a different movie poster on them for each month, and I wanted to watch the one classic movie and then the classic movie musical every month i started out great i watch you'll never get rich um, uh, which was one of them for January, which is the movie musical one from January, stars Bing Crosby. And then I watched The Big Sleep, which I'd actually seen before from the classic movies. Um, that was from those two were from January. I have not watched any since then. I have the list though. I will catch up by the end of the year. So those are the ones I did 50 50 ish on, uh, on how I've been doing on those. Uh, but Jen, we gave each other some resolution challenges. You do you remember what you gave me? I absolutely do not. Okay. You uh challenged me to watch the Apple TV Plus show Mythic Quest. So I have not done that. I will. I love I've really just kind of fallen in love with everything on Apple TV Plus. So I'm sure this will be the exact same when I finally watch it, but I will watch that. Um, but my challenge to you is something that you have embraced fully and it makes my heart very happy Ah, i do remember this. (laughs) my my challenge to you was to watch one series slash season of the great british bake-off jen tell the good listeners how much bake-off have you watched since the beginning of the year
1: okay listen it pains me when you are this right about something like it physically hurts me but I we have watched three series on Netflix um thus far. And I'm pacing myself because I don't want it to go away. <laughs> so we've watched series yeah. eight, nine, and ten uh on Netflix, their collection five, six, and seven. So it's the two thousand seventeen through yeah, the two thousand nineteen so seasons. It's so confusing. Um we did start- I have a spreadsheet.
0: I have a so spreadsheet. I'm looking that at my tells, spreadsheet. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: my, I mean, my boyfriend and I literally watched this to no offense, shut you up. Like, we're, okay, we'll watch it and we'll be like, yeah, Matt, Matt's an idiot. It is the best. <laughs> it is just the best medicine for the trauma that the world is today. Um, when, on the worst day, like for instance, if if you've had a right taken away from you after 40 years of having it just off the top of my head. <laughs> If you put this on within two hours, I mean, and and you even said like I'm not into baking. I don't have that big of a sweet tooth. I don't crave chocolate or or sugar like a lot of people do. But the process and the thoughts and the the creativity and the analysis and the competition and it's all positive. It is all love. And when people go home, it is everyone is sad. But no one – you're not rooting against anyone. It's the only show on television where you're not rooting against anyone. I have yet to watch a final where I don't want everyone to win. And Mm -hmm. it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's just one of these – this perfect like piece of innocence in the world where you just want the best for people. You want them to do their best. You see – Like uh, I won't say who, but there's a person who wound up winning who had zero self confidence, and the further this person Mm -hmm. got in the competition, they were like, "When are you going to start believing in yourself?" And it's just like to watch these journeys of these people, like find out that they're they're good at what they do, and oh, it's it was a it was a good challenge, and I thank you for it, and I challenge everyone to watch it because it will make your lives. Better.
0: Yeah. And I think one of the unsung heroes, uh, you know, in quotes, either individually or collectively of that show, is the people doing the casting. Because you're right. Like everybody is just genuinely lovely. There are always some characters in there, which is great for TV, but they just seem like legitimately good people. Maybe that's also editing. So maybe the editors too, but they legitimately seem like just lovely humans and i love that and to spin off of that literally and figuratively i've also started watching the great pottery throwdown which is a spin-off of that done by the same company also just lovely it is the same kind of thing it is the same um almost the exact same format It, it it they can't do like the three challenges like they do on Bake Off because pottery takes more time, like literally has to sit in a kiln for 24 hours. Uh, But they have multiple challenges each episode. um, And it's just great. One of the hosts, Keith, who is like this apparently like world-renowned, incredible expert potter. And he's like this big dude with this kind of funny hairstyle. And like I'm getting emotional because at least once an episode almost – he cries during judging because he is just so overwhelmed by either the art or the work that this person has done. And he just like, it's so much better than a Hollywood handshake, um, which is a little bit contrived at times, I think, but like, because it's just so genuine. Like he just, he tears up and cries looking at this piece of art, this pottery that somebody has made. And it's just lovely. I, I don't know that it rises necessarily to bake off level of serotonin, but it's pretty dang close. And and if you don't want to rewatch Bake Off and you want something else, I would definitely recommend that. I'm in the middle of season two uh, on this. And it's just it's wonderful. And I will say later on in seasons, the, um, the you know, like also. Uh, Bake Off does, the hosts change, um, and we get um, Siobhan McSweeney later on, who is known as Sister Michael in Dairy Girls, and we also get Ellie Taylor, who is plays Sassy, um, plays Hannah Waddingham's character's best friend on Ted Lasso, so um, I haven't gotten to those seasons yet, but I'm looking forward to it, so... Uh would definitely recommend that. And uh, it's all, all the seasons. It's only like four seasons are on HBO Max. So I'm going to do that. And when I finish that, I'm going over to the glass blowing one that's on Netflix, which I don't know if it's connected to this. I don't think it's connected to this, but. I've long been a fan of glass blowing, so I'm I'm that's on my list after I finish the great pottery throwdown. Uh all right, Jen, any parting shots, anything that you want to make sure we mention? We talked a lot about TV. We didn't you, uh, were there any movies or podcasts or anything that you wanted to mention?
1: The first half of the year hasn't really been movie. Yeah. Well, I
0: mean, you could watch things on streaming or something if you want.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've watched a lot of movies, but not from 2022. Um Fair. So I don't really have a lot there. I will say that when I got my new phone, I got a subscription to Apple music and we've really been kind of digging into Apple music, forcing ourselves to listen to some new music. I, you know, you find yourself getting into that old trap where you're like, I don't want to listen to anything after 1994. Yep. And so we'll put on a playlist and every once in a while you, you just find something and you're like, I'm oh, God, I'm so glad I heard this. So um, I was, I was hesitant to the, the, streaming music thing for a long time, but I'm really glad that I have a streaming service now where I can just listen to whatever I want. Um, podcasts, the only thing I've gotten into lately is I'm a, I'm a huge Saturday Night Live fan, and I've really been enjoying the podcast with Dana Carvey and David Spade. Um, they bring on someone associated with Saturday Night Live every week, whether it's a past cast member a current cast member a past writer a past host and they just tell old saturday night live stories which is just right in my wheelhouse so um that always makes me happy but that's pretty much where i'm at here on july 1st how about you matt
0: yeah um the only podcast i've i've always had a love-hate relationship with bill simmons um who i think is really smart and really insightful um he's a a writer mostly doing like started off in sports. I knew him from page two on ESPN.com. And then he was the founder of Grantland and then went over and started the ringer. Um, I don't listen to any of his the Ringer uh, any of his Ringer podcasts, but I have gotten into like th- three or four Ringer shows that are just in my wheelhouse that I listen to every week now. Um one of them is a TV podcast called The Watch. It's hosted by Chris Ryan and Andy Greenwald. Um they're really really smart. I love their conversations about TV. Um then there's one called um The Big Picture, which is hosted by um Sean Fennessy and Amanda Dobbins. She just came back from maternity leave. So I love that one. Um, Then their Ringerverse podcast, which is like all things um, fandom. They have two podcast, like two podcast crews that do stuff in there. One is the house of R, which is um, Mallory Rubin and Joanna Robinson. They're great. Then it's the midnight boys, which is a a group of mostly black men that talk about podcasts led by former TMZ star Van Latham. Um, so those are great. And then um, Matt Bellany's The Town, which talks about the business side of Hollywood, is really good. Um, so, yeah, those I, I've really kind of fallen into the ringer podcasts, just not on purpose. But um, those are the ones that I've kind of been added to this year out of nowhere.
1: And I feel like you're like me, where you just you go through phases where you're like, oh, I love this podcast. Yeah. And then you kind of move on. So it's nice to have our rotating list
0: yeah and it's and, and what's great about it is is like if they those shows are talking about things that i don't care about like if 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 the ringer verse the midnight boys talk about an episode of the boys i don't listen i don't watch that show so i don't listen to it or if the watch is talking about um like they did a whole thing on like barry i don't watch barry even though i know i should um so i just skip those episodes or they're great about putting timestamps in there so you can like jump around to different things if you want to hear it so uh, it's nice that you can kind of pick and choose that if you have a good mix of shows, if there's something that you're not interested in, okay, I'll just skip it. No big deal.
1: Yeah. For me, I like interview podcasts and on Mondays, yeah. um, Dax, Dax Shepard comes out, Marin's come out, Smartless comes out and Conan comes out, but there's usually at least one that I don't need to hear. So it's nice to be able to pick and choose.
0: All right, everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of Broadway Radio's Some Like It Pop podcast. We hope that you are having a wonderful Fourth of July weekend, or had, depending on when you were actually listening to this. Um, Let us know if there's any pop culture out there that you think that we should watch or you want to hear us talk about. You can reach out to Broadway Radio Collectively at Broadway Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Jen, where can people find you?
1: I'm on Medium at Q. I'm on Twitter, but I don't go on it anymore. Same uh, same handle.
0: Same handle at Epony Q. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at TheWWMap. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I don't know when we'll be back with another episode of Something Like a Pop, but chances are we'll have an episode of This Week in Theater coming up very soon. So uh, stick Maybe around. Maybe we should bro- do an
1: Emmys episode.
0: After the nominations come out? Yeah. Okay. I love that. Let's let's do an Emmy nomination uh, reaction show, and we'll obviously do one a wish, want, and will before the Emmys actually happen too. Okay. Awesome. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you soon.